Ladies and gentlemen, you are about to hear the very first live recruitment roller coaster. Just wanted to say a huge thank you to everyone that attended the first event. It's, uh, yeah, it was a great feeling, 60 plus people in the room uh, to attend. And I mean, the feedback has been that it was great. I thought it was great. I think it was a real mixture of informative, fun, people were laughing, people were enjoying it, but at the same time, some really good value from the panelists, some great questions, some great interactions from the audience. So I'm really excited to see the recruitment roller coaster live events evolve. There's going to be more of them. I think this first event was just a real indicator of this is something that people would love more of, would really enjoy uh, attending. So we're definitely going to make that happen. I'm really pleased with the audio and how it's came out. I was uh, slightly worried on um, the quality, but I'm really pleased with it. You can pretty much hear all of the questions from the audience, um, but if you can't hear it crystal clear, I apologize. But I think overall, um, I'm really pleased with the... Uh, audio of uh, the event. So I just wanted to say, if you enjoy this episode, I would love to hear from you. I would love to uh, see you share the Recruitment Roller Coaster Live event because that's just going to um, enable it to reach more people. And it's just going to mean that um, when we start planning for uh, the next one, the it just helps us understand what people enjoyed, what people would want more of, etc. So the next event is going to be even more in point, on point. It's going to be bigger. It's going to be better. So um, if you do enjoy this episode, you listen to it, um, I would love you to um, share a post on what you thought was great about it, what you learned. And um, when you do that, use the hashtag RecruitmentRollerCoasterLive and you can do that all over LinkedIn. So look, I'll let you enjoy the episode. Feedback is very much welcome. I hope you enjoy it and you'll hear of me very soon. So let me stand over here. I just first wanted to say thank you so much for all of you coming. It means a lot. Um, how I just wanted to um, kick this off is firstly ask who's traveled the furthest today? Who reckons they've traveled quite far? Liz? Where? Hertfordshire, who can beat that? Derby, that's fucking far. Greg? So wait, is Derby further or... Is it? Who can beat that? Japan, mate? No. Huh? Dublin? Can anyone top Dublin? Mate, fair fucking play. That's a, that's a t-shirt for you. Right. The next question... Just to, just to kick this off, um, I actually got recommended to ask this by one of the, the hunting guys. <clears throat> Shout out, whoever gets the closest or gets this right gets a uh, t-shirt. First one, uh, the question is, what do you think is the average tenure in each company for someone with the title recruitment consultant? <laughs> what do you reckon? Six months. 18 months? No. Nine months. Nine. 
Four. No. Not five. No. Three years? Oh, fucking hell, yeah, no. Wait, so nine. 15 months. It's 13 months. There's, there's a t-shirt for you. Cool. So, where I'm going to start before um, we have a uh, really good chat with uh, the panellists is I just want to give you a bit of insight into how the hell we've got to this point and all of us sitting in this room. Um, so I'm just going to give you um, a quick story about uh, the podcast and, and how it got to this point. So I'm going to have to click the space button here. So um, some of you may not know that I actually started it as a blog. Um, it was called The Recruitment Roller Coaster. Um, and I started that when I was in recruitment because I had a real tough uh, first year. And how I got sold recruitment was obviously the typical uh, six figures, I'd be for trip, Rolex, etc. That didn't happen. And um, uh, I thought, hang on a minute. I, I basically got exposed to a lot of CVs that had recruitment consultant on three months, two months, four months, etc. Because one of the clients I recruited for, and I was really curious about this, and I thought a big reason for that was how people sold recruitment was so they just spoke about the good bits, right? They didn't talk about getting told to f off every single day. They didn't get told about the cold calling. They didn't get told about the actual rejection that comes with it and and the tough times, right? So. I just had, I don't know exactly why, but I just decided to start sharing my experience of having really difficult times, but slowly but surely started to get better and better in recruitment. Started that in 2017, and it was the Recruitment Rollercoaster blog. So um, I then actually turned that into a uh, podcast. I uh, used to commute an hour to work every single day, and um, I, li I, I listened to podcasts religiously, and the ones that I did listen to, um, I didn't enjoy. I thought, I thought they were rubbish. Um, and by this point, I had quite a few recruiters contributing to the blog, sharing their experiences, and I thought, hang on a minute, what, what recruiter does not enjoy talking about themselves? Um, let, let's see if they'd be open to um, doing a podcast. This was the, the first logo that uh, one of my good friends uh, made, and I uh, started the podcast in March 2018. So um, I started it, that's my bedroom in Eastbourne. Um, I started by recording these uh, episodes in, uh, of my iPhone, in my bedroom, after work, um, working in recruitment. That's how I started it. I actually, I can't believe that I lived, I slept in a single bed until I was about 25 years old. <laughs> it's fucking mental. Um, so, at the beginning, hardly anyone listened, at the beginning, quite frankly. Um, you can see there, minimal engagement compared to where it is now. It was all a process, I was getting 20, 30 listens per episode. Um, but slowly but surely, as you know, it, these things take time, you have to have patience. Um, and it started to gain more traction when I moved to London and I joined a business called Hoxo Media who really supported my vision with the podcast, really helped me elevate it. They invested in me, they invested in the, the, the equipment, they even had a studio in their office and that was where I really started to um, take it to the next level and, and they really helped me do that. Um, by this point, it was, it was starting to reach more and more people. Um, it's reaching well over 10,000 people a month now, which is absolutely amazing um, and it's, it's continued to snowball. And a big part of that, has been with the, with the guys at the back, Hunted. Uh, four months ago, I started my own business um, and I really wanted to um, use the podcast as a real vehicle to help me in my business, but also to do more with it. I was really motivated to do more with it and I wanted the right partner. I was saying to one of the guys earlier that um, it is a bit weird now doing an advert on a podcast, like it is a bit weird, 
However, um, there's no way that I would have just took money off anyone because if I didn't believe in what I was talking about, if I didn't believe in the people behind the product that I was talking about or the service, there's just no way I was going to do that. So um, Hunted were at the top of uh, my list to partner with. And um, when I met the... Uh, the guys, when I met James, Guy and uh, uh, Tom Wish from Hunted Art, I really felt like they were the perfect partner. They supported my vision. They wanted to continue giving as much value as possible to um, the recruiters in the industry. So um, I've always wanted to do an event. I've always wanted to do uh, an event. And um, Hunted have made that a lot easier for me to, to make this happen. They really supported me. And um, here we are today, right? Um, it is mental that... Sold 60 tickets, first time I'm doing it. I didn't know how, how big to go, if I'm honest. Um, I didn't want to be cocky and be like, yeah, people, everyone would love to come to this. Um, so hopefully after today, if you all enjoy it, next time will be bigger and better and we can do more of this sort of stuff, which is really exciting. Um, so before I get the um, panellists on, all I wanted to say very quickly, if you share anything today, use that hashtag. Let's try and make as many people see it as possible. Let's make people feel like they're missing out. FOMO is real. Let's make people feel that. Um, and also, feel free to take a picture at the back. So the guys that hunted, um, you may have seen the cutout there. What I didn't realise until a guy pointed that out to me was, so I'm quite open with how much I build in my first year, which is 24K, fuck all. And um, I definitely build more than that in my second year. But, so basically, they've, 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 uh, they've uh, got a cutout over there where obviously it says you can only listen to the podcast if your billings are so high. Um, and they've, they've kindly put their Hisham Azuz's billings, which is like, yeah, really fucking low down, basically. <laughs> so if you want to take a picture on that, feel free. Um, so, panellists, come and join me. Let's do this. Right, so how I'm going to do this, um, I really don't want this to be like you guys sit down, just listen. Um, I've got a couple of questions that I'm going to ask uh, these guys, and then I've got quite a few questions here that all of you very kindly submitted. Um, but if you hear one of these guys say something and you really want to jump in, jump in, and uh, we'll have a bit of fun with it. You might have to speak um, a bit loudly. Um, but just, just, just to help me get some context, who, who's listened to... So we have Tony Bates here, who uh, um, owns part of IDEX. Um, Anila, in the middle, works for Cognitive Group. And we have James Dean on the far right, who works for Hamilton Barnes. So I've done a podcast with uh, each uh, one of these. Who's, who's listened to their podcast? Any of those? Quite a few people. Okay, cool. So let, let's just bear that in mind for, for you guys when you're um, talking. Um, don't be nervous, it's fine. So I think... Look, we wanted to have a bit of a theme for this event. The theme was the, the state of recruitment in uh, 2019. So I think it would be a, a great place to start. How, you guys here, how do you feel 2019? Ha, has it been better or worse for you in terms of uh, billings, in terms of how you found the market? But overall, how have you found 2019 compared to 2018? Let's start there. Hello. <laughs> Um, first of all, I'd like to thank Hisham um, for giving recruiters an opportunity to promote the good stuff that we do. Um, I think there's a lot of recruitment bashing out there, and I think Hisham's been brilliant for uh, allowing us to talk about the good things that we do, which is a lot. So a round of applause and say thank you for Hisham. Cheers. Thank you. thank you, mate. Thank you. 
Um, so, so the state recruitment in 2019, um, I've, I've worked in recruitment for 15 years. Um, I've never been uh, happier, prouder uh, to work in recruitment. Um, and I genuinely mean that. I think it's now foreseen as a, um, a profession for the first time. Um, I think for years we've had people talking about the bad practices and the things badly that happen, which they do. Um, but I think if you look at two years ago, we wouldn't have filled out a room of recruiters at 6.30 on an evening trying to develop themselves personally. And I think the fact that you guys are here um, to develop shows that recruitment is right at its peak at the moment. And I think yeah. in terms of the industry that, that we are in and everyone trying to develop, that's the best it's ever been. But also I think the respect that we have from clients and companies of what we do, how we do it, and the importance of recruitment for their business to be successful is at the height that it's ever been in the 15 years I've worked in recruitment. Um, so for me, it's the most exciting time to, to be in recruitment and it's much better than it's ever been and it's only going to get better as we viewed as a profession with people like yourself and us promoting the good things that we do on a, on a daily basis. And how has that translated into money? That's <laughs> <laughs> such a recruitment question. It's, it's true though, like, I, I, I think that's great. But how has, has it? <laughs> well, we're not making any money. <laughs> we're having a good time, you know. Um, no, no. We, I mean, we're, we're about thirty percent up on last year. Thirty percent up. That's great. Thirty uh, percent up with the name, the same headcount. Um, so you know, we are up in in terms of, and and also, you know, we are. Yeah, we we we're, we're making more money, but it's not all about money, Hisham. Okay. I just, I just wanted to make that Hence clear. Hence these cheap great. ticket prices. Is it? <laughs> it's more I'm, about, you know. No, thank I'm, you. Thank I'm going to disagree on that one a little bit. I, I do think money is really important. I can only speak to the US market, but for me, the biggest change that I've seen is um, I used to see a lot of really average or subpar recruiters do quite well in the UK market. And it was just kind of like, ah, recruiters are like, you salespeople, whatever, no one cares about them. And now I'm seeing some people be taken really, really seriously because they're differentiating themselves in the market. Yeah. They're doing things out of the box, like podcasts and just other things. Lots of videos on LinkedIn. I do them too. But, you know, yeah. it, it means something. And I actually see people taking their job title quite seriously. Whereas before it was just like, oh, I'm going to do this for two years, make some money and get into something real like property. Okay. I mean, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, fuck off. It's all sales. It, sorry, yeah, yeah. are we allowed to curse? Yeah, of course. Okay, um, but that, that was the biggest thing for me. I feel like people are taking themselves more seriously. And then, uh, obviously, you've been on an interesting journey. So how long have you been in your role now? Um, I just started with a new company about four or five months ago. Yeah. And then before that, you wasn't doing the American market, was you? Yeah, so I was with a, a different company before that. And it, it was nothing to do with the company necessarily, but I wasn't doing anything individually about like how I differentiate myself. Sure. I was really nervous to do that. And I felt like the business would be like, is that making money? I'm like... Well, give it a minute. Like, it takes a little while to get people to yeah. let, you know what I mean? Um, and so I didn't, because I was nervous that no one would pay attention to it or just be like, oh, you're such a loser. Like, fuck off. No one wants to then, So then for you, how, obviously, you're four months in. <laughs> yeah. How have you found it, obviously, from where it was last year? Billions-wise, like, have you been in, like, has that increased? How have you found that? I mean, it's unbelievable, and I, I don't want to like, oh, I'm so great, but literally I've had so many clients come back and be like, really love your video. Even ones where I, you can ask the guy who shoots my videos, he was like, you made it up as you talked. We just kept reshooting, and every time you said something different, it was so hard to weave together your video. Mm. And clients are like, oh, I love that. That's great advice. Like Just today I did a video on um, how to get the best out of your recruitment relationship. So with your recruiter, what's the best way to communicate with them so that you get the most out of that relationship? And I've had six clients, like, looking at my phone, come back saying, oh, I love that, and I'm actually going to share that to my network, which Cheers. is amazing. So. Yeah. Well done. That's great. James Dean, 
How, um, Hello. So um, I think obviously you won a big, no, I was going to say big, big I was going to say the Big Biller Award, but I was going to say <laughs> no, um, obviously you, you was top biller yeah. in your company, right? So best year for you. And was that like, obviously, yeah, 2018 then? Or was that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so our financial year runs to uh, May. Sure. So that was the 18, 19 year. Yeah. So the 19, 20 year. For me, well, I'd say 2019 in general, yeah, it's been my best year in recruitment from a billions perspective for the first mm. half of the year. Um, I've moved into more of like a management role as such, so that's like billions a little bit less of a priority, I guess. Um, so then how, so then why, any any sort of straight to it in terms of clearly one of your best years, yep. any key things there as to why you why you think that is um, compared to last year? Like, did it, like anything really click, et cetera, that you think's really impacted yeah, I think there's a few things. I've been doing the space for like three years at a previous company, yeah. five years at Martin Barnes. So I think it's like a build-up of all these clients, customers. Sure. Always uh, the same market as well? That uh, Chopping and changing, but okay. yeah, pretty much. And then the last year in particular, I think it was just a bit of a snowball effect, a bit of everything. Um, I just really knuckled down as well. I just doubled down on like personal development, working longer hours, putting the effort in, um, and just focusing a bit more on life, to be honest. Like, mindset. Massively mindset, yeah. Good work. Cool. So... Positives, Tony, recruitment is at the peak. <laughs> uh, well, biggest no. challenges? Uh, biggest challenges for recruiting in 2019. Biggest well, challenges for recruiters in 2019. Well, I think to, uh, I read a book recently, which is the legacy book about the New Zealand's, the All Blacks. So the All Blacks are the most successful rugby team ever, or successful sporting team ever, 80% win record. And, and what they do is every year they say that when you're at the top of your game, you change it. Nice. which I love, which I think, you know, and the same for recruiters. If you have your top year, which is amazing, don't do the same things, change and do something yeah. better, do something different. So I think that the biggest challenge is to keep evolving when you're doing well, not get carried away your own sense of importance. You know, how many, everyone in this room has met a guy and worked with a guy or a girl who's done really well and turned into an absolute twat. Um, so Such a great point. Well, no, no is, comment. Top well, this is why I, this is why I veer away from the money things. It's not just yeah. about money. It's about sure. you know, are you doing the right things by your client? Are you doing the right things? Are you doing the right things when people aren't watching in the room? So the biggest challenge I think is is making sure you still evolve and making sure you keep being that person you were when you came into recruitment and not letting money change you and thinking that you're better than anybody else because you're not. If you make more money, uh, you're better if you do the right things and make sure you provide a service to your clients and your candidates and make everyone better that works with you. So Love that, in answer to your question, I think the biggest challenge is, is keeping real because it's difficult when you start earning money, um, but also to keep developing and keep evolving you as an individual and who you are. Really like that, mate. Anila? Um, so question is biggest challenge for recruiters. Yeah, so yeah, what, what have been the biggest challenges for recruiters in 2019, do you feel like, coming to the tail end of uh, 2019? Yeah, um, I, th I just kind of going back to what I said before is just differentiating yourself, really. Sure. Uh, there's so many recruiters out there, new ones coming in every day. Every day, someone who has one or two years of experience starts their own recruitment business, and some are great and some are not, so not to knock that. But I think the biggest thing for me is how many people I see on LinkedIn doing the exact same job and what is going to make you look different than your competitor. It's not just necessarily having that right candidate, but now I notice even clients paying attention to branding and who you are and what reputation you have. So it does precede you. You cannot just be an absolute asshole to your clients and just be like, oh, whatever. No one's going to no, work yeah. for you. So, so true. So, yeah. do, do you still say, though, that you're a specialist recruiter? Huh. Every day. <laughs> I, I, I don't I hate really that not. yeah I, I really sorry no offense <laughs> uh, 
That was just a um, joke. <laughs> I, Bez. I, yeah, I just... Because I think, so I think someone submit. I think someone actually... Doesn't everyone say that? Yeah, sure. I think someone submitted the question. I haven't got it on here because we picked out a few, but I just remember the question really clear. It was like, everyone says they have a USP, but like, what the fuck do you mean? Like, do you actually have a USP? What is it? What, what are you talking about when you say you have a USP? Do you know what I mean? So I think it's, it's an interesting point, isn't it? That obviously the market's very saturated... And it's easy to say you're a specialist, you do just this, which is part of it. But what is your USP? I think not just necessarily aligning to the brand you work for, but what is your brand. Um, I remember walking away from a recruitment business that I worked for before because the brand was really, really changing. And I was like, if I continue working for this business, everyone will just remember me as blank from blank. And so sure. I walked away and I wanted to have my own thing. And obviously it's taken a few years to figure that out. But... And obviously videos have been big for you on that, yeah? Yeah. That you found? Cool. Yeah, I think so. James? They went off a little tangent there, but for you, what, what do you think has been, obviously you manage a team now, you're seeing yeah. people, biggest challenges for recruiters this year, 2019, what do you think? Um, I think the maybe two years ago or 18 months ago, the in-house recruitment teams would usually be more of a facilitator role, whereas now we're finding like talent teams, there's coming like talent four, I think they're called, if anyone yeah, wants yeah. to hear from there. Um, yeah, they're so very talking much. about different evolution of actually recruitment models. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Whereas before mm. you would just compete against agencies and like, in-house recruiters, whereas now it's like they're both. They're like morphed mm. into one. Um, and you have in-house teams via, you know, with the same ambition and drivers, like a lot of like 360 consultants who would have the tenacity as such. That's what I've found personally. Have you, and have you come up against that quite a lot in your market? Yeah, yeah, it's a model that we use as well. Like we have really? a couple of on-site guys, yeah, yeah. Has, has anyone else come up against that quite a lot in this year? That they're, they're dealing with clients that have gone down, they're engaging with people that have an embedded model or whatever. Has anyone found that? Really? That's interesting. So I get, obviously, that, that's exciting at the same time though, right? That people really trying to involve how yeah. they solve problems. I guess, how do you combat that? Do you know what I mean? Like, what, what are the things that, when someone says, well, actually, James, you're using Talentful, what's the objection, mate? <laughs> Take all these easy questions. <laughs> uh, I, I just think it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, that no, no, that must be hard. I think like there's there's certain customers I use that they only come to us for like particularly specialist roles. No, no. <laughs> no but like, the area yeah, we recruit yeah, yeah, in. Yeah, sure, sure. So that's like a small percentage of the roles. They won't come sure. to us for 95% of the roles. It'll be the small 5%. Fair enough. And that's where we can add the most value. So we're not necessarily looking to do all the recruitment. It's just a small area that so we... really own the part that you know that you can really back and add the most value around. Yeah, yeah. And really that's back really yourself point. on that and deliver cool can i just step it i think it would be naive for us if we're talking about the biggest challenge is not to talk about the economic backdrop that is brexit and uh, all that here he is so, he, said, no, no. he said the word <laughs> take a drink he said the word well, let's all just ignore it <laughs> um so i think the biggest challenge is sure. going to be the economic backdrop and the things that you do now to build and make sure you, you overcome that so we established ourselves in the last recession uh, which no one would have been working at that point in this room, but I was. Um, um, so in the last recession, and, and the, the biggest thing I learned there was the importance of a client relationship. And nice. I really, so, so I would advise you all, we will have a recession. In basic economics will say we're going to have a recession. We know that, we can deny it. But it's about putting the things in place now to make sure that you are as bulletproof as possible as an individual, as a business, um, to overcome the challenges and make them maximise the opportunities that will come with a recession. So my only advice on that would be to make sure that you have serious client relationships because they remember that when they only have a little bit of work and only a little bit of food to divvy out to us recruiters. Yeah. They give it no, to that, that, was, that, that, that was going to be my next question. How, yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. Sorry. I think just because I, re no, I really remember it okay. from um, 
our podcast, I think it'd be great if you could just share very quickly. So the exercise that you did, wasn't it that you, you actually cut quite a few clients and actually then ended up focusing on a more a core set of clients? Is that yeah, I remember that right. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, so we our business has been going for about uh, eleven years, and we got to a point after five years where because you just work with anybody, um, you kind of we had lo- loads of clients, um, and you end up doing the wrong thing. And t- everyone you spoke to as a candidate was from someone you worked with at some point. Uh, we had lots of PSLs from people that weren't giving us any work. Um, so it was a you know a really it was a piss poor PSL. Um, so we kind of just wrote to people and said, look, we, we don't want to work with you anymore. Um, and we when we we kind of got to the point where we decided who we work with rather than going around feeling sorry for ourselves, thinking about will you work with us? And we kind of said, right, we want to work with you, 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 you. And we kind of flipped it and decided who we wanted to work with as opposed to going around and begging people to give us business. Um, and we just work with very few clients, get really close to them, understand them, and do. Um, more business with less clients but also from a moral point of view you're only then hidden from people you're not working with which makes you sleep at night as a recruiter (laughs) (laughs) so just quick on that I think all of you could add to this I think that's a really interesting point um, Tony how do you measure client relationships me Um, well I I think it's two two ways so obviously billing is incredibly important how much money are you getting out of it but one of the things that we've done in our business is not necessarily um, how many new clients we bring on but the depth you know inch wide mile deep kind of thing with each of our clients so we'll look at any account that's like 50,000 a year and say what do we need to do to bring it to 100,000 and we've actually sat in a room of like managers and senior managers and had a discussion about what we need to do what's going to differentiate us and I know this is really cheesy to say but like I have an HR woman that loves cat memes like she loves them okay and i send them to her every every time and she laughs she goes oh ha ha you remember your mom she absolutely hates me never gives me roles and then one day the floodgates open she's like oh by the way we're we're upgrading to d365 and i knew that was going to be a massive project and all of that she remembered that and Mm. i know it seems a little cliche to say like oh build relationships but you actually have to because the amount of recruiters that are going to enter the market and the amount the recruitment industry is actually going to grow into a trillion dollar industry that's not going to change what's going to change is for the people who've been doing it for a little while is what is going to be your level of engagement with your um most revenue generating clients and when it comes to exactly what Tony said, when it does come to recession time, um, anyone who is in IT, I'm in IT, so I'm slightly biased, and still have a little bit of money left over for recruitment, they're going to pick one, two, depending on the industry, yeah. max five people that they give those roles out to. You want to be one of those five. How are you going to differentiate yourself? Doesn't matter if they're giving you money now, it'll pay off in the long run. James, I think, um, I mean, I think what, why I think a lot of people like your podcast was you really broke down the business development piece and these types of things. So obviously client, the sort of expanding accounts, growing accounts, obviously relationship driven. So I guess from your perspective, how have you got better at measuring these these people actually do value what I do, et cetera. How have you measured your client relationships that have clearly led to to more success? I think first of all, the the main reason people like my podcast is because it made them feel a lot better about their first year in recruiting. (laughs) Jesus Christ. So uh, a few of the guys at the back, they work on my team. Wave everyone. Uh, <laughs> like James, for example, has just uh, already outbuilt me in my first two years in recruitment. He's only done it oh, for wow. five, five months. So. Uh, no, but to answer your question, I think one of the big things I do is like rather than just look at an account as, you know, you've got a single point of contact, look at who are the other key stakeholders in the business, try and map them out, try and get in, get in front of them. One thing I've done quite a good job on, like I mentioned, the podcast is involving a lot of my customers on the journey of me becoming top biller or me growing a team. 
Um, and from there, they've introduced me to other stakeholders in the business. So I've managed to grow out some pretty big, you know, FITS 100 names, um, big companies in our space, big employers in our industry from that. Um, and that's just been mainly involving them in the journey. I'd say to measure the success, it's you know, how many customers you work with at that particular company, how many point of contacts, if there's a support team, implementation team, design team, for example, how can you deliver to all of those? Um, and then internal recruitment. Um, so it's not just based on, on revenue. Sure. I think no, that's great. And I think, I think I remember you telling me, Tony, as well, just to wrap that up, that you actually have parts of your team dedicated to building relationships with certain people and stakeholders in the business. And that's like their job just to make sure that they're on side. They're the, pe they're the people that I'm focusing on. Is that right? Correct, yeah. Yeah, so I think that, that's really interesting. Um, so back to your earlier point, um, Tony. Um, what else can we be doing, do you think, to make recruitment a career choice. How do we do that? I think, you know, we are doing that in itself this evening, I think. So I think, you know, how, how we get bashed all the time down with recruiters. And, and, and that's a really historic thing because the profession is so much better now. And the, and the poor practice, actually, if you just throw CVs around the market, it's really hard to be successful now. It really is because of the, the, the value on client relationships. You know, three or four years ago, you could send out 50 CVs a week. I'm sure companies still do that, which is crazy. And you'd make 100, 150 grand a year. You cannot do that now. So actually, profession, you have to be good now. You have to have good client relationships. So I think what we can do to make it more marketable is talk about the good things that we're doing and talking about the data, the statistical analysis of, of things that we've done to improve businesses. Um, you know, we one of our stats is that, you know, 94% of our placements are still there after two years. You know, that, that for us is, is a great stat that we're talking about where we can genuinely say not only we're we putting people into the business they're adding value and they're staying there for a few years so understand the, the analysis for you, your clients you know if they've given you 10 jobs and you've filled eight of them you've got an 80 percent fill rate you know you've got 94 percent of the people that have been there two or three years promote the statistical analysis that you've got so that you can demonstrate where you've genuinely improved your clients and start promoting ourselves and don't be too shy about um, taking pride in making candidates and clients better um, and just make sure that we, we, we're promoting stuff like this where, I, as I say, I, I can't believe that people are here to, to personally develop this evening. It's, it's brilliant to see. Um, so I think what we can do to promote it is do what we're doing now and continue to try and improve and talk about it and shout about it when we're doing our branding just, exercises just, sorry, online. Just a quick one, just because, sorry to pick on you, mate. You're, you're the only one that has kids. Yeah. Would you tell your kids to go into recruitment? What a great question. Um, <laughs> no, I absolutely would, but I wouldn't do it if they only wanted to join it for money because I think that that um, that inspires the wrong behaviours. So if they wanted to go into it because they wanted to add value to individuals and add value to businesses, um, you know, absolutely I You've would. You've yeah. about it. Um, well, I've, I've had the uh, the young lad on the phones, yeah. So yeah. no. <laughs> Not that, not that How old is he? No, he's two. <laughs> oh, he's got a great work ethic. Uh, so, that's all that matters nowadays, Nick. So, so, so yeah, absolutely. Would I think? I think the we, I, I, you know, it's a profession now, and I, I'm fiercely proud of, of being a recruiter. And I'm I'm the oldest person in the room. I've been in the room, you know, recruitment for many years, and I've seen lots of cycles in recruitment. More cycles than all you lot. Um, <laughs> 
You meant to say you don't look it. <laughs> uh, but, but absolutely. You, you moment, don't look it. Thank you. <laughs> I was waiting for that. There's one person at least. Um, but, but, it, but in terms of at the moment, it's absolutely the pinnacle I really do because we, we are becoming a profession because we care about what we do and how we do it. We are becoming a profession. We need to talk about it as a profession um, and keep promoting. And, and if people don't want to work with us or understand the value that we give, then, then tell them to piss off and we'll go and work with someone else where we can add value and that business will be better for working with us. So be proud of what you do as you are and we are a profession and we will make the industry better as years go on by working like collaboratively together. Just to add on that, I think that one of the big problems I find anyway is I wouldn't have lasted at most recruitment companies. So yeah. there's hundreds of thousands of James Deans out there that could have gone on to the, you know, have a relatively successful career in recruitment. But because of business owners look for results straight away, yeah. they're hiring and firing, they'll hire 50 grads with the view that maybe five or 10 of them will survive. Yeah. Um, that then leaves a bad onus on the entire industry. Yeah, yeah. So and then you meet people. I could like, not agree more. I think, I think yeah. It's, yeah, totally. And I think um, just to add to that, it's happened a few times on the podcast where like, did any of you end up at these weird assessment centres where you've got to sell your mate and then you've got to sell a pen? And, like, that's how I got the job, yeah. That's how I got my job. I yeah, exactly. And then it's like, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I heard of one where you had to actually uh, pretend to be a chicken. Has anyone said that one? <laughs> it's genuinely an IT <laughs> recruitment firm. Um, where I, I went, This is when I first started recruitment. They're, they're, right, go up there and, and pretend to be a chicken. <laughs> and people were doing it and you go, so, so that's how far recruitment has come. Yeah. You know, we, at least we've got a decent uh, interview process, or most firms have now. I like that. But, um, but you know, throw that question in next time you're hiring and see what happens. See what happens. <laughs> I think as well, it's all about like, oh, you know, you can earn 100 grand a year and have a Rolex and all these nice things. But when you actually talk about the value and how you, you know, what you're actually going to do and the career that can come from it, I think that's going to encourage a lot more people. Whereas at the moment, you can earn 100 grand in your first year, which is, I don't know, might be true but as as far as i've seen it isn't and a lot of people don't care about that anymore oh uh, you know gen z millennials they're not interested in that. they want recognition they want to progress in in life sure. which which isn't being promoted mm. recruitment's you know like the twitter account recruitment wanker and stuff like that yeah you've witnessed like that frankly <laughs> um where people cut their ties they do their first deal and it's all about buying a rolex and all that kind of stuff does that still happen oh, yes ab yeah absolutely absolutely that's all i knew when i started yeah. in recruitment nothing else and they let anything to add before uh um, ask one more question yeah, I, I just think, uh, so to be really um, like solutions driven on this one, like one of the things in the US that we do is we actually go to like career fairs at like universities and colleges and stuff and talk about like what recruitment is. I'm sure people do that, but I had no idea recruitment was a thing I talk about on the podcast. I applied sure. online, like not thinking it was an HR job. So actually speaking <laughs> to people who would be looking for sales type jobs and explaining what the process is. And then just to build on the thing you said about grad schemes where they hire people and then fire five or six of them within the first week. How can you possibly know in the first five days? If I started in recruitment in the UK and not in New York, there is no chance in hell I'd still be in recruitment. Really? Absolutely not. I've seen it happen and I'm walking, seeing kids walk out being like with their head held. I'm like, you could have been a recruiter. You After five days, how could you possibly know what they're capable of? Yeah. I think we... <laughs> So, <laughs> final question. Oh, quick thing. Go, on, think, Mr. Bates. go on, go on. Sorry, I think the good recruiters are, are advisors and the poor recruiters are salespeople. That is what I would say. Yeah. Okay, you definitely got to sell though. Yeah, I think we all no, start no, 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 You work towards you targets, okay. but you advise, you advise and you sell your services, but you advise people and the results come as a result of the service you provide and the advice you provide. You know, lawyers work towards targets, but they don't call them salespeople. Every, everyone does sales. Pardon? Sorry? They also have sales teams. So, wouldn't it be the model? 
Uh, personally, we have a 360 model. I think it's dated, and I think no is the answer. I don't think it does work well. It works, but it, is it an efficient use of the skills that, of the people that you have in the business? Because uh, you're asking people to do things that they don't enjoy doing. Because for me, most people I see, you either like doing the client side or the candidate side. Yeah. See, really, we should be asking people to do jobs that they're good at and they enjoy rather than <coughs> just do everything. So I don't. I think it's dated, but we've got that model. So. <laughs> It's a good question, Dan. I had that on, on here that I was, I was going to ask. Don't kill his vibe, Dan. Go on, Chris. Dan, <laughs> Go on, Chris. I agree with what you say about, um, about obviously being advisors and trying to do the right things by your clients and stuff like that. But, but the thing that attracted me is the underground here. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And it was only after many years of being in recruitment that I understood the value adds and all this stuff that you do. How, not, not, not a lie, how do you try and encourage a young person to consider a career in recruitment? Well, I said, oh, yeah, come to recruitment. It's going to be amazing. You're going to give them so much value. Well, they don't care about that. They care about getting a mortgage and yeah, paying yeah. their bills, Fair. all the rest of it. You should, and if you're having a really bad day, you know, oh, I can't wait to advise people today. Yeah. So, 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 so just to repeat that question, just for everyone's benefit, because I'm recording this. Chris just said, totally get what you're saying. However, you joined recruitment because you was really interested in getting 100k, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Obviously, that's a factor. People need to want to get on the property ladder. They want to earn money. So go, just leading with, yeah, you're going to provide loads of value, you're going to be a trusted advisor, blah, blah, blah. Is that going to entice young people into businesses like Chris worked for? James, are you going to yeah. say something? Uh, yeah, no, I was just saying the, the job's quite tough. So you know, one of the big things that gets people up in the morning is their goals and their, you know, their long-term goals, medium-term goals. I mean, it's been difficult to do that if, if it's just to kind of help people and advise people. Sure. I mean, when you interview people and they say, oh, I, mean, yeah, I really want to help someone, so I, I don't think this is probably the job for you. I think that's a byproduct, and once you get more successful yeah. in it, that's one of the perks, and that's one of the parts you love about it. But for me, that wasn't one of the big reasons to get it going. If that makes sense, definitely. I, I disagree with that personally, but uh, but that's that's you know you're in a successful business. But I, I do disagree with, with with that aspect, and that's nothing. You're a good man, Joe. But I do think the the, the money. I think that when you're talking about what we need to do, change as a profession, is stop saying you can earn hundred grand year one because I haven't yeah. met anyone that's earned hundred grand year one yet. So let's stop talking bollocks and just say, right, this is what it is, is, you know, you can actually build, but I think what we need to do as a profession is, you know, we need, we are here to advise people's careers and we recruit for financial advisors and the financial advisor's job is if you've got a million quid, they'll turn that into two million quid over 10 years. We're not doing much different, really. Your career, we want to get, you know, you want to earn a million quid over 10 years. It's my job to maximise your opportunity to make that million quid over 10 years. What's the difference? And that's the advisory piece. So I think that the, 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 the way the industry's changed is less people join for sales for, for just to earn 100 grand and more people join the industry to, to, to be quality and be join a profession. And I think that's where we can change. You start promoting as a profession and stop saying you earn 100 grand year one because you don't. Yeah.
because the barrier is so low, I think you do get people entering, oh, sorry, you get a lot of people entering recruitment, like, oh, I want to make a lot of money, that's great, but do they understand that to get that 100 a year, it might What's take involved, three yeah. to four years, are we being really direct in that? So, so last question from me, and then I'm going to ask some questions um, uh, the, the audience submitted. So um, j just to wrap this up for me then, um, I'd love to get your points on it. I, I was going to ask you um, around the, the trends and, and what you predict in, in 2020, but the question I'm going to go for, because I really like this one, James uh, gave me this one. So there's still clear, Dan just mentioned it there, around the 360 model, does it still work? So there's so many businesses operating in the recruitment industry in the same way as they have done for the last 30 years, yeah? So when, when you started in the industry, Tony. Uh, but the uh, industry, obviously, the, in the, the industry's, the industry's uh, changing at an accelerating pace. Is it the pinnacle? What are some of the practices that you would love to see die out? Um, one particular one I can't believe people still do. I heard this today from a client. Just sending CVs without even speaking to the person. Just okay. getting off the job board and just picking it out. Because that, again, makes us all like our boys and it all comes back to our Barrett. Yeah, monitoring phone times. Like it's say that again, say that again. Phone times. I just find that one ridiculous. Like, yeah, you need to be on the phone, but if you're doing something else and you're showing value and you're making money, like I, I used to fucking fake dial all the time just to hit three hours on the phone to make a point. And I just think it's fucking ridiculous. Stop monitoring phone people's times. Phones. Yeah. Fuck that. Fair enough. <laughs> Mr. Bates? Uh, what would you love to see die out? Um, I think... Um, the, the the mentality of why we do what we do. I, I think the, you know the whole thing around the sales, uh, sorry, earning a hundred grand and all that sort of stuff. You know, I'm obviously a lot older and I understand that there's more value. You know, it's not just about it's not about that. So I think the reasons that we're getting people into the industry, I'd like to see change. And I know you spoke there about yeah, you know, I want join this profession. Join, no, don't go, you can earn 100 grand. That's why you got 14 months of year one of people dropping out when they join the industries because we're going, you learn 100 grand. All you got to do is work hard. Okay. And you got, we've got people with the wrong mentality joining the industry and that's why they're leaving after 14 months. So what I'd like to see change is just all to start viewing what a successful recruiter, the, the, the moral values and the, the core of that individual look like because often it's not that they just want to earn 100 grand. It's often that they've got real quality. They continually push themselves they've got high sorry am I keeping you no, no no sorry I'm just they got sorry. a high oh, sorry sorry, 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 sorry mate oh, anyway sorry, that's sorry, what I mean. sorry, sorry mate I didn't mean to do that sorry anyway, um, yeah yeah really sorry sorry um, this is leading quite nicely really sorry about that mate this question was from uh, Simon Jobson so this is all linked to this what we're talking about obviously you'll manage teams Anneli you've had quite a few people recently with experiences like with James how can we stop the high turnover of staff linked to recruitment then? Because as I quite rightly said, like 13, 14 months is the typical tenure of a recruitment consultant at one business. So how can we stop the, the high turnover of staff linked to recruitment? I think um, we need to look kind of lower the bar and set realistic expectations. Because just while we say, oh, you know, you're going to earn 100 grand, we also expect people to bill a substantial amount in their first year. Yeah. And this isn't every company. This is a lot of sure. IT boiler room companies. But... Um, I think lowering the bar, that would help. Don't hire as many people. So rather than hiring 10 grads, just take on two and double down on those people and spend a lot more time on them and help them develop rather than just doing you know, a bit of a slap-happy approach across 10 of them. What, I know obviously you said to me personally that there's been a few people that have taken a while to really, really uh, for it to click and when it has clicked, it's been great. Mm -hmm. Anything on that that you know that you really had to 
things that you had to do to really help them through that process to the point where they're now billing really well, whatever that you picked up on? Pull a lot of hair out. Um, <laughs> it's quite hard moving into a manager role, especially like being a 360 consultant, winning top miller, and then all of a sudden you're giving them the responsibility for a lot of the work that you used to do. Um, but it's just trusting them, I think, and just letting them know that they trust you, just give the belief into them and to make sure that they're aware that they're not going to get sacked if they have a bad month or you know, you're not going to get rid of them if they're having a bad time. And then when they need support, if they're getting loads of offers rejected, don't just bollock them, sit down with them. Why was that offer rejected? How can we improve that? Where can we add more value? Um, and then just coaching them, just being there for them, like, you know, being a mentor, being a coach. Nice. I, I disagree with that slightly. Brilliant. Um, Talk to me. So, I think the whole like, startup turnover thing, I think like, that's just like, that is in every single industry, unfortunately. Like, that is yeah. just like work. But I think if you look up uh, Google, um, average tenure at Google is a year. Um, but just to put it on it's just spoken about more in recruitment than the name we have. Before. Interesting. Like, you said like 13 months, right? Yeah. Uh, which is like, it's, it's better than other companies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, Google are probably the highest standard of tech people in the entire world. Um, but I think with, the, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's a fair point. But I've met most of my mates that do. Uh, they live in Essex. I don't know if you can tell by the accent. But they have all worked in recruitment. Like anyone I know that went to uni, did sports science, they then got into recruitment. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then they did, a, and then they moved on to a real career and a real job. Um, but. I think, like you said earlier, the barrier to entry is so low that so many people do come in, even if it's a month, two months. Um, I don't know, I don't see as many people down the pub that's worked to, yeah, in other industries than they do have recruitment. Do you want, do you want to jump in? Uh, so we're confused about the industry at that point. Yeah, no, 10 months, 10 months. Oh, I just want to say, like, we're confusing a company with an industry. So people stay in recruitment as an industry for 13 months. Whereas it might only stay at Google for a year, because they might go on to a different company but doing the same job. Whereas yeah. a lot of recruiters will do 13 months and they'll go and do something completely else. Yeah, so that, yeah. that ruins the industry rather than the mm, people, not company, yeah. you know, we're, we're all loads of companies. Yeah, but the other thing I was going to say, though, like, we've been talking about the industry, it's like a homogenous thing that they're all the same. Like, um, like I know Tony's business, like it's a good business, got a lot of people working there. They've got structure, they can offer someone a career, but there's a lot of people that set up and they've got three people, they're working out of some shitty office, they've got like barely any money, yeah. so the pressure is on, they're expected to sell. So like it's not the same career path. Like I started at hey, so there's a good career path you could go into there. Mm. But then I worked for a 30-man business and it was like, <coughs> you're not making money month three. See you later, mate. You know, off you go. And, and like, luckily I did, and I'm, and I'm still here. But like, they're not the same. So talking about recruitment as a thing, you're going to do 13 months if you join some like boiler room place. You might do longer in other businesses. So it's so disparate now as an industry. I don't think you can kind of look at that statistic and say it means anything, really. Uh, just that we should be better at looking after people when they come in. Because I think that's right. Doubling down on two people rather than 10 is absolutely the right approach. Hello, Alex. I just add to that. If if you start there, mate, get get into a WeWork, mate. That'll solve all your problems, won't it? <laughs> um, I have to um, ask this question, just because um, it, it literally is the most common um, thing I get asked about um, for me to ask uh, people. I mean, I found it really difficult business development. So uh, Charlotte Mitchell um, asked. How do I develop my client base? What is the best BD advice that you could give? Sounds really basic, but it's a fucking difficult part of the job. So what, what's your sort of go-to advice there in terms of what you constantly tell your guys or 
on the BD piece? The, the biggest biller we had at Frank Group, who's now like an executive director now, did all of his BD through candidates. So it kind of ties back into that whole is recruitment still 360 model. He only spoke to candidates about what was going on, what projects were failing, who was you know, hiring and firing. And he never made a single client call until he knew exactly who was pitching in. And he billed um, five to, or 600K in his first year of recruitment. That's not made up. I'm still friends with him to this day. And he works at Frank Group. And so my biggest thing, and that's the model I've always followed. Oh, but done on candidates. You have to Flip candidates. candidates yeah. They are the people who are going to give you the info. If you make good friends with someone, I still have a candidate to this day. I've placed now five times. And she will give me names of companies who are hiring, recruiters who have reached out to her, which clients I have. And, and that's where I get half of my intel from. So I think it works. Nice. James? Yeah, I think that's huge. I had a guy call me the, what was it, last Thursday, said uh, he was down the pub and someone recommended me. And he was a candidate I placed two and a half years ago. But because I went above and beyond, you know, really looked after him and wasn't a typical recruiter, that was the exact word he used, um, that he then, when he was looking, uh, when his friend was looking to hire someone, he said, oh, you need to speak to James Dean. And they reached out to me. I think it's just being a, a general nice person. Like, I know it's easier said than done, but I think there's a lot of people out there in the recruitment space who are quite obviously doing it for commission and that will be translated into their efforts day to day, whether that's a sure. client or candidate. So just trying to, uh, as Tony was saying, just advising people, helping people, being more of a consultant. Nice. Mr. Bates, anything to add? We well, yeah, absolutely think um, plan. You know, how many yeah. people plan? These are the companies that are going to be growth companies for the next 12 months. Uh, they don't lose people. You know, plan and work out who you're trying to target and how you're going to target them. Um, I know we talk about, you know, phone and that sort of stuff but again it's it's changed doesn't it so if there's an individual you're trying to target comment on the stuff on LinkedIn all the usual stuff um, but I think the most important thing the most important advice to give to anyone with, with BD is plan and then actually apply that plan um, a lot of people just pick up the phone and, and shoot blind you know you should be right these are the three companies I'm trying to get in with this month because they'll spend that much money and that's how much recruitment spend I want to take of that plan it and then um, you know adapt Nice. Adopt that strategy. So I'm going to ask um, one more question, and then I'll open it up to you guys, and I'll, I'll uh, come around with a mic. So back to um, Dan's question, really, and um, also Joe pretty much put this. Joe Head, sorry, let me just get this. So I think knowing your business, uh, Tony, be interested to get your thoughts. So Joe Head put, look, will there be a place for agency recruitment in the future? Will the current state of the economy, um, well? More, will, be, will there be more businesses phasing out on uh, an external model and bring in more internal recruitment models? Obviously, James, you touched on it earlier, etc. Like, what, How do we feel about that? They're, they're always going to try that. I think in, in, in the US particularly, there's more of an internal recruitment function than there is in the UK, and they're really special, so they'll have like an IT internal recruiter, an HR internal recruiter, and stuff like that. Um, so I think that's going to naturally occur all the time, but in no way do I think agency recruitment will phase out by any means. Um, there's more recruitment agencies in the city of London than there are in the entirety of the United States of America. Oh, yeah, there's facts. I don't know the exact numbers, but I definitely know that's correct. So in no way do I think that'll happen. But just to touch on something we spoke about, which is there's there's going to be a, a hybrid model of happening. There will be smart entrepreneurs out there, probably ex-recruiters that say, I'm going to take a bunch of recruiters. I'm going to do kind of a hybrid RPO type thing. So expect that change to come. But the number one thing that I can bring it back to is relationships. Mm -hmm. If you have a brand, your personal brand, not your business, if you have a relationship with certain clients, they will absolutely come back. 
back to you. They will pass your name on. And it doesn't matter if you're employed for a Frank group, a Hayes, a small business, or by yourself, um, you'll be able to make placements. So I definitely think agency recruitment's not going anywhere, but I do think um, there will be a phasing out of um, sort of like archaic, antiquated business models that just don't have a place in recruitment anymore. And I think you're gonna see that in the next 18 to 24 months specifically because of tech. Yeah. Anybody else? What we to that? What she just said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Same. Really. Thanks, yeah, guys. No, no, no. Well, I think there'll always be a need, but the, you know, again, I think how many recruitment businesses are doing the same thing they did five years ago? It's, it's, it's embarrassing, really. So, again, as I was saying earlier, when you're when you're on the, the, the top of your game, evolve and change and develop. Um, so, I think companies that don't continually try and be better and move with the times, uh, the economy and tech. Yes, they will phase out, but there'll always be a need for good quality recruiters that can genuinely add value to companies to find individuals, but also promote their company brand in a positive manner to the candidates that want to join there. Can I just make an example? People yeah. still go into um, like uh, you know Audi and BMW and speak to a car salesman yeah. to buy a car. Okay, you know my boyfriend's at the audience. He's in property sales. Someone still comes in and speaks to him before they buy a flat. When they've seen the flat online, they can fill out a form. They can check their credit. They can do all of that. So that human contact still absolutely exists. My mom's in banking. She's in investment banking. Right. A lot of the work that she does has been automated. But people still want to see someone, and not even face to face, but somebody, a human that they speak to that they feel comfortable with that they trust and your career is everything that's your livelihood that how you support your family how you pay your mortgage you think they're going to just trust a bot online to, to find them a job no they're going to want to speak to people that they trust that they have a relationship and they feel comfortable with and just to build on that as an element of influence in our role you really don't just call someone and say you know do you want this job well, okay cool go <laughs> yeah yeah there's an element of like selling influencing persuading you know, helping them through the process. Advice, advice. Uh, giving advice, oh. advice. Shout out to Tony. <laughs> advice. Uh, but no, you can't, and I think like with the, the bot thing and the tech, and that's something that's always mentioned, um, that, you know, will bots take over recruitment? I really don't think so, because you know, you're not going to have someone message you on Facebook and try and persuade you to go for that role that's a really good you know, fit for what you're looking for. Um, so I think there's always going to be a need for recruiters. Maybe that's internal or external. I think that then depends on uh, the state of the model internally there. Nice, so I'm going to open up to you guys. I'm going to run around with Mike for the next sort of 10, 15 minutes. Questions for these guys. If you can put them on the spot, feel free. Oh, no. Here we go. Charlotte. Hi, everyone. Um, it was me, Charlotte, that asked the question regarding BD. Um, I'm Brands Banking New in Recruitment, actually in my fourth week, and I'm trying to build my desk. Um, obviously, business development is a massive part of the game. And I, I've chosen recruitment as my career choice. I haven't fell into it. I've wanted to do it. Congratulations and welcome to a great yeah, profession. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But this, this is the thing. A lot of my friends um, who are already in recruitment have said, look forward to the sleepless nights and crying yourself asleep at night. And I'm like, no, I want to do this. And people are like, oh my God, are you mad? But I'm like, no, I'm, I want to make something of this. And I think good being for you. Here, That's really yeah. good to hear that. And good. being here tonight, I'm learning a lot, and I think it's really great. Um, but in terms of how do I get, I'm in my fourth week. How do I get past my 14th month and not be that recruiter that doesn't make it? What what kind of recruitment do you do? Digital marketing. Okay. I, I mean, I, I would say um, the, the number one thing, and a lot of people are going to have different opinions on this. I would definitely ask people around. Yeah, it's the quite room. a broad question. Yeah. No, no, it, it, it is. But if you want something. Recruitment very much is a rinse, wash, and repeat 
okay? So sit down with whoever you trust in your business, find out what stats they did, ask your top biller, what did you do at the beginning, the numbers, and do that every day. You're not gonna see the results of 30 days work for 60 to 90 days from that. So if you work at a business that's gonna give you that three month period, when you get to work tomorrow, hopefully you're not too hungover, but when you get in, you figure out what numbers. So I still work to the numbers that I did in 2012 when I started in recruitment, the exact same numbers. How many manager names do I need to get a day? How many people do I have to, how many people, candidates and contacts, do I need to speak to on a daily basis so that in 90 days I have five candidates in interview process and I can at least say I have two deals coming every month. Doesn't happen every single month, but if I follow those stats, it does. Every time I veer off, it doesn't. So that, that's my best advice. And I think as well, um, first of all, like really work, coming in on your fourth week to come to an event like this, that's huge. Yeah, that's really quality well well That's very really bold of you. Give us a shout in 14 months, let us know if you're still here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you will be if you're here. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't know anything about like, your industry, so I wouldn't be able to give specific advice, but I think one of the, the big things that um, White Hamilton Barnes, I had a lot more success than previous companies because I sat very closely to the, uh, like a serious biller. Um, <laughs> he was the top biller of previous companies and then he went on to. So try and mirror greatness, so like look in the office, who's performing really well, who's the best at doing business development in their industry, and just try and spend some time with them and ask them. So if I was to give you advice on my industry, it probably wouldn't help you, but I'd say try and do that and spend some time with those that are the top performers in the team. It's a great point. Good, yeah, good. Well, I mean, well, uh, you were talking earlier about change. What does business development mean, really? don't know. What's it mean? Advising clients. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it would hard, it's, it's going to be hard for you because you've just entered the market. So, so a lot of the advice that we're giving might be to somebody at that two to three year mark to, to transition. But at the beginning, sorry, Tony, to cut it. it it's, it's basics. Find out what the basics are for your industry and do that every day, in and out, right? So you, if, if things don't work out, you go to your manager and say, you told me to follow this plan. I followed this plan. Now what? Patient more like me for saying this as well. I would say, sorry, oh, um, do video content as well. Like, talk about your journey and like, I'll do you. Yeah, yeah. So you're already doing something different than most recruiters. Um, so yeah, just keep doing that. And Charlotte, you're going to be bloody brilliant. You are. Listen, to this. you are. Um, yeah, yeah. Watch out. Watch out. Um, but what I would say is the best consultants, the most successful consultants I've seen in my long career, have the least clients. So don't don't forget that. You know, you don't need many. Um, so when I talk about business development plan, who do you want to work with? Who do you want to badge up with? Who do you want in your portfolio to say, I work with them and I represent them in the market? Plan it and work out a strategy from the end. You, you, every, any plan you make, you start at the end and build it back. Start at the end, who do I want to work with and what steps am I going to take to get in with those companies? But you don't need many to be successful. Don't forget that. Addy, was you going to put your hand up? So I put you on the spot there, fuck. Right, go on. Here you go. Thank you very much. Um, to your point, actually, which mirrors, mirrors you, you guys as well, um, we have a, a guy that's just his, hit his senior title. Uh, he missed it like, like by the smallest amount in April. And I talked to him today about his journey. And he was literally like, "There's parts of the job that are really quite repetitive." And he was like, "I have to do these to be to be successful." He was like, "There's so many parts of my job I absolutely love." But he was like, "Some of the basic stuff." He was like, "I'm consistent. I do it. I do it well, and I just do it kind of every day consistently." And he was like, "And some of the great stuff, like his social content's so good. Like some of his posts get like over two thousand views. Um, he he does that in like in tandem, I guess, with the basics, just being consistent." Um, so yeah, just 
Someone Dan? Here you go, mate. Something I found quite interesting that I implemented when I was sort of getting into recruitment and sort of growing up in the market a little bit um, was trying to think a bit in terms of a minimal effective dose. So you don't always need to go to the degree with business development. You smash the phones, you know, get on the badger people or hammer them with every CV you've got. You've just got to find a way. You've got LinkedIn, you've got marketing, you've got branding. You know, try and engage with senior people in the network. Try and get a bit of a consensus of what's going on. Try and network. So try and find a way in the back door, try and get in front of people, and if that doesn't work, then step up, you know, layer by layer as to what you need to do to become more and more direct. So there's so many different options out there, but I just found that like starting off, you know, utilizing different platforms, LinkedIn, etc. before you don't need to basically go into sort of a cold call, there's ways to kind of build that up before you kind of go in at the deep end, if that makes sense. And it's a lot easier the, the narrower you are in your market, isn't it? So I think James Khan, who's obviously very successful in recruitment recently said, you know, you need to be an inch wide and a mile deep. You know, so rather than a, whatever the opposite to that is. Um, but yeah, you know, you need to be really narrow in your specialism because then you can get to know everyone and you can be a genuine expert to advise within your marketplace. Who, uh, you got your hand up, didn't you? What's your name, sorry? John. Um, Charlotte, it's just a little thing, actually. When I started, I've been doing recruitment. Trying to get up here, Charlotte? Um, probably as long as you. But, um, it's, it's a really, really basic thing. Um, I never did business development for my first two years. Business development is really scary for people saying, okay, there's a company, and I think Tony was saying, look, you know, map out a company, look at who you want to get into, put a strategy and go for it. That's quite scary when you're in your first year, because that's a pretty big sales call. Um, so my simple way, my, my old boss told me, he said, don't do any business development. Follow up on a reference for every candidate. Yeah. Every single candidate you've got, follow up on two references. So you go into the call and you sell your business and say, look, by the way, I need a follow-up on reference. This is what we do. This is why we're good. This is what, etc." Follow up on the reference. And then at the end of it, you just flip it into a, by the way, yeah. now you know what we do, how we work. Yeah. I wouldn't be doing what my job if for? I didn't ask. <laughs> Classic recruiter. So I didn't, and, and, and we all use that a hundred times? <laughs> it's, really, it's really simple, but it's, it's not business development. Yeah, it's and really if you do that on every I single candidate you do, <laughs> you suddenly realise end of week one, you've got, 10 new clients and then you suddenly just you keep doing that day in day out and then then you're kind of there so it's kind of a simplistic thing but just might be worth that's really good yeah. Yeah. Thanks, I think you had a you was going to ask something right come on mate you haven't forgot it have you yeah <laughs> I think starting off Charlotte I think the, the first thing is I think Setting the right CV the first time for the client, I think, is really important. Not being sucked into just, like, just being really keen to send across CVs and getting people, getting CVs into your clients' inboxes. It's, like, really bad practice. If you start with the right CV, they'll remember you for that. And I think if you get the CVs that are not on the usual job boards and you've literally, you know, the passive candidates, which is what everyone's out for, aren't they, at the end of the day? If you, if you feed them that right the first time, that is a really good way to create a relationship with a good client that will last. Boom. There you go. Hiya. Can you hear me? Um, I have a question around inclusion and diversity. So being a female in recruitment, it's quite nice to look around the room and actually see quite a few other females to come and join us. But 
I've got a team of 20, and I, there's three girls. So I know it's something that everybody is pushing. I constantly get clients calling me up saying they, they like working with me to know that other female candidates can work with a female recruiter and have that sort of comfort. But I want to know what your guys, one, opinions are on it, and two, how you ever support it, what you've seen in the market. Um, I actually run an all-female team. Not not on purpose, but um, I've just... Mm. <laughs> Sexist. <laughs> and, anyways, before I was just rudely interrupted by a man, Sorry. I'd just like to say... We're all the same. He's just intimidated. Yeah, I know, right? I'm used to it. No, um, uh, it, it's funny because that's a really that's a topic that I take really seriously, and, and not for the sake of oh, I want to hire more women because we need more women. Like that's such bullshit. It's about if somebody's good at the job. But really, the biggest thing that I lacked in recruitment was I didn't have other females to look up to that I felt like were doing the same job. We'd have like a director of BD or sales that never was in the room and pop in and be like, "Hi, I'm a female." And I was like, "This is such bullshit." And so the the, the biggest thing is use that to your advantage. You just mentioned that you're using it with your clients and your clients are like, oh, this is so nice. I get a female touch. Whatever um, you're doing, keep don't shy away from the fact that you're a female or feel like you need to hide it and be like, we're all the same. No, we're not all the same. We are all different. That's what makes us good at our jobs for specific reasons. So I say double down on that. Absolutely. When you're in a position to hire and someone's like, well, we don't really have any girls in the office. So no, hire them anyways if you want to. Don't hire them because they're a woman. But if you're hiring grads, they don't have any skills anyways. They're coming in a fresh, you know, clean slate. So for me, when you're in that position, um, go ahead and take advantage of it. And when you're in a position where you're selling it to your clients, then don't be afraid to lean into uh, that femininity. Nice. Guys, how do you support females in your teams, industries, or company? Have you, have James, I'll hire them. the podcast. <laughs> As a business, we only have two females in the office. They're two managers in the business, marketing manager and the learning development manager. We're actually now... Fa- I'll take this question. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll take this. No, no, but like... We're, we're now... We're almost like... A, we're, our, we're our own worst enemy to a degree because... We didn't make a point of it early on. We just hired based on the, the candidates we interviewed and we're now at 24, uh, 20, yeah, 24, billable, uh, 22 billable consultants, all of which are male. So now we've offered two or three women over the last six or 12 months, um, two from my team, one from the other team, and they rejected the role. So when they come in for the interview, they're like, are there any women in here? Like, Did you ask them why they rejected and if it had anything to do with the culture of the business? Just no. No. Sorry to interrupt, but on that, if that was the other way around, how would you feel? If you walked into an environment with 24 females, would you be comfortable walking in and sitting in between all of them? Do you want my professional yeah. answer? Or? Professional <laughs> environment, but yeah. Uh, no, I'd be intimidated, yeah, 100%. That, that's, sorry, that's, sorry. <clears throat> Not only because I actually work in a team with all, all females, pretty much. Um, and yes, it's pretty intimidating. It can have its benefits. It looks really happy though, doesn't it? <laughs> really happy. Can't <laughs> start smiling. It's pretty much the way of my life, too. Are you, are you recruiting? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I think, no, I, think, I think you're absolutely right. Like, I think having that mix is critical. Because when I first joined, um, yeah, it was interesting. Um, but now, obviously, they're start, we're starting up to bring, obviously, more more guys into the setup, but it, it definitely helps sort of break down some of those barriers to have that healthy mix. So yeah, I'm just to let you know that I'm on the opposite side. Well. Yeah, it's really awful. I hate my job. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm hiring a male on my team. So. Oh, 
Sorry. Yeah, yeah, go on. Sorry, I just wanted to ask a quick question as well. Sorry. Um, I just want to echo Tony's sentiments as well, Heesh. Like, I've met, I'm sure, like a lot of you guys, like, listening to the podcast, I've only been in recruitment for 10 months. Um, and I think it's like anything in life, like being able to share and voice your opinion and a problem really helps. Um, so to actually meet Hashim and James and reach out to these guys and actively like engage with you, I think it's awesome to be able to show that, that you're not just a persona online, you actually, you talk it and you act it. So I appreciate that. So obviously really well done. Um, and just a quick... Go on, Hish. <laughs> Round of applause for Hisham, everybody. Uh, but no, my question to you guys is, I think one of the most infuriating things I've found since coming to recruitment, I'm sure everyone's had this, is ghosting online. So on LinkedIn, you're messaging clients, they're reading... I mean, LinkedIn have now got this sick thing where you can obviously see when they've read it, which is lovely for everyone to see how disappointed you are. Um, <laughs> oh, they've read yeah, it three so times, they've still gone back to me. So, <laughs> what's, I know you've mentioned about sort of engagement content and like, you know, liking more content, but what's some of the tips maybe you guys have got? Because I'm finding it where, you know, I'm, I'm met, people have connected with me, which I think they want to do from a professional perspective and network and engage, but they're still reading it and not getting back to what, what are some of those challenges you found in overcome? Um, well, the biggest thing, sorry to just jump in, but the, that one's actually really close to my heart. And I realized the biggest thing is because as recruiters, you ever speak to a candidate that you know you're not going to place right now, you've had a nice conversation with them, and you just never talk to them again, not follow up, and then you get offended with some great candidate that you really want to place, ghost you. Like, it, it's a give and take. If you're going to show commitment to every candidate you speak to, I tell people if I can't place them, I say, listen, it's not my speciality. I really don't do this market. Um, I appreciate your time. I can point you in the direction of somebody does even outside my own agency because cognitive we only do microsoft recruitment if an sap person comes over to me i usually send them over to somebody who does sap recruitment so be, there you go diamonds in the audience but be, be accountable to your candidates because i do think it's not an immediate effect but you will get less of that because you're building a brand a personal brand that says i'm going to follow up with each and every person and I, I think as well um you have to take the rough of the smooth a little bit. Like, if everybody replied, then we would all be earning 100 grand our first year and it'd be really easy. <laughs> it, is a, it is a tough industry. So you have to think of ways how to differentiate yourself. I get loads of banter in the office because I just Google loads of blogs <laughs> on how to write this message and how to be witty about this. So you have to think outside the box a little bit, the way you approach it, rather than just writing a standard message. Like, connect with someone, then go, hey, how are you looking? And then they don't reply, you get really frustrated or you message them and then they connect and then you ask them straight away for some vacancies. It's just about just differentiating yourself, being a bit different, maybe add a bit of value, message them a bit about market news and just have general chit chat before you then go in and ask for jobs or however you approach it. Mr. Banks? What was the actual question, sorry? The, the... So, just, so just in terms of like how you found that, so like how you've overcome that, so say people have obviously... So Rejection? Yeah, well, yeah, but predominantly, I suppose, because LinkedIn is so obviously, it's visible now, like on LinkedIn, so when you're messaging clients or candidates, they're reading your content, they're reading your message, but they're never getting back to you. They're actually, what's the point in having that connection on LinkedIn if they're not engaging with you from a professional I'm used to speaking and people not listening, so I, I genuinely. <laughs> but I, I, I think I think with that, that's just it's, it's you know, the, 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 I think it's it's changing your psyche, isn't it, to, to understand that um, you're looking at the wrong thing there. I think is my my honest answer is I'd be thinking, well, that's one more person that knows who I am now, and I'm going to keep in touch with them. I wouldn't be thinking they haven't come back to me because. Yeah. Listen, that's that's the job, isn't it? and yeah, and, they, yeah. and they'll come back to me. But I want to make sure that I'm I'm and giving advice again so I'm, I'm pushing something to them that's going to help them and they can come back to me when they want and I'm not really bothered about people coming back to me I just want to make sure I'm um, positively <coughs> promoting myself and what I do to as many people as possible so that they come back to me when they're ready um, so I'd look at it differently really if people don't come back to you 
providing what you've told them or informed them is, is good quality, which I'm sure it is, uh, you know, the way you articulate yourself, um, they'll come back to you when they're ready. Um, I think that's it, guys. If we have a round of applause for uh, Tony and <laughs> guys.